Welcome to Episode 8 of the Smart Planning 101 Podcast. I'm Nicole Whip, and I'm your host. It's time to face facts. Getting older can be scary. And when you, your spouse, or your parents are getting up there in age, being unprepared can turn the golden years into the darkest years of your life. That's why the Smart Planning 101 Podcast is here, to shed some light on intelligent estate planning, strategic financial decision-making, healthcare options, and all things related to growing older with dignity. Here's your host, elder law attorney, Nicole Whip. Today, I have a special guest. His name is Jim Swain. And Jim's here to talk today about a very little known but extremely important veterans benefit called the Veterans Improved Pension. I'm going to ask Jim to talk a little bit about himself, but before I do that, I'd like to tell you a little bit about him. He has a law degree and a Master's of Business Administration degree from Memphis State University, which is now the University of Memphis, and he also has a BA in Human Resource Management from Pepperdine. He is very well known in the Veterans Administration world because he has quite a bit of teaching experience in this. He is a co-developer and a co-presenter for the Elder Council VA Pension Course, the Academy of VA Pension Planners Conference on VA Pension Planning for Attorneys, the Georgia State Bar Association VA Certification Course, and a speaker on VA Pension Benefits at Wealth Council's Annual Conference. He is the founder and principal of Swain Law Firm and the founder and CEO of the Academy of VA Pension Planners. He's licensed to practice law in Georgia and Tennessee and was one of the first 50 attorneys to be accredited by the Veterans Administration. He's also a Vietnam veteran, having served at the U.S. Navy base at Cameron Bay and has 10 years active duty in the U.S. Navy and 10 years in the Naval Reserve. So, ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce to you Jim Swain. Jim, can you please talk a little bit about yourself? I know I just introduced you, but why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? I'm Jim Swain. I'm headquarters here in Atlanta, Georgia, actually Roswell, which is a suburb of Atlanta, but uh, we all call it Atlanta. But uh, I'm a retired Navy, 20 years in the Navy, had one nice Southeast Asian tour and I got that out of the way. But uh, for the last 30 years, I've been practicing law. And one thing I learned being in the Navy is you've got to learn the rules better than everybody else. Because if you don't know the rules, the rules will be used against you or you can use them for you. And I guess that's what got me into doing the law and got me into tax planning. Now, most of my practice has been in the tax arena on the estate and asset protection side. And about 10 years ago, I started adding veterans benefit into it uh, in elder law. And at that time, no one was talking about this at all. It's just kind of something we stumbled onto and couldn't find any literature about. But I got into the regulations and found out my father, his wife, my mother, my grandmother, my grandparents, my aunts and uncles, all were eligible for this benefit. They were all war period veterans or surviving spouses veterans. And it kind of ticked me off because no one had ever bothered to tell anybody. And the unique thing about this veterans benefit, it's not anything new. We've traced it back to past the Spanish-American War. So it's been around. Really? Wow. The problem with the benefit is it's an orphan program in the VA because the amount of money they spend on it is a rounding error. I mean, they spend $5 billion a year and $166 billion budget. So they don't spend any time on it. They don't have any 
reason to spend time and money on it because it's so insignificant to them. Part of it, I think the older veterans are just better to get them out of the way and don't pay any attention to them. So, you know, get them off your radar screen and get rid of them. But it's been a lot of fun uh, developing this area of the law and helping veterans qualify for it and helping them be able to find a way to pay for the long-term experience expenses. So it's, it's been fun and uh, probably one of the most enjoyable area of law that I've ever practiced. And mainly because, not just because I'm a veteran and not just because I have a lot of family members that are veterans, but because as an attorney, we rarely get a chance to see the exact, see the, the results of our labor. Now, you know, trial, you win a trial, you get a settlement for somebody, you get a judgment, yeah, they can, you can see your value right then. But in estate planning, most people have to die before anybody sees the benefit of your planning. And so in this area, we get to see it. The families get to see what we do. They appreciate what we do. They show the appreciation more than they do in any other area of law. And you can, you can change lives. It's really amazing uh, the impact you have on people. And, and quite frankly, the, the way they treat us. Because as an estate planner, I have never had anybody come to my office or call my office and say, I'm going to church tonight and I need some extra brochures. Or I need some more business cards. Is that okay? I've got a cousin in Minneapolis I want you to talk to. I've got an aunt in Maine I want you to talk to. I've got a cousin over here I want you to talk to. We get calls from all over the country because the family members want us to see their family members. They know what we've done for them. They know what we can do. And they actively go look for people. And that really is the best testimony of your efforts. Yeah, it makes us feel good. So, you know, we work long hours because we want to work long hours. I enjoy it because there's so many people that need our help that I've got to be there to do it. And it's fun. Quite frankly, uh, I'm a history buff, too. That makes it even more so. But it's, it's really that they're not served very well. It's the way I see it. Because too many people are rush, trying to rush them through. They don't stop and listen to them. And they need somebody to listen to them, but when you listen to them, you find out there's other issues that need to be addressed. We actually... So, I'm sorry. So, like, what kinds of things are you referring to? Well, this is one thing we have. I have a lot of trouble with attorneys because one of the one of my businesses is I train attorneys. And getting the attorneys to realize that I think their job is a lot more than the law, especially if you're going to work in the elder law. You have to be a family counselor. You have to. You can't step away from it. You can't escape it. So being a resource on a lot of elder issues, not elder law issues, but elder issues, you know, where to go for help, what to look for, caution on how your parents are, looking for elder abuse issues, um, just counseling the family sometimes where they can get help is that extra step, that extra part that you can add in that a lot of attorneys are not really comfortable doing. But I don't see how you can really do this without stepping out. Now, maybe I'm low fashion, or maybe that uh, I won't put up with it, but I will tell them when they're doing something wrong. I will call them in, and, and I do get 
dropped on to tell dad to give his driver's license up, give his car keys up. And I will do that. We'll sit down man to man and have a heart to heart talk. And I can get them to give it up. Because somebody has to be able to do that. And the children can't do that. But we have to be willing to step over the line and be something other than an attorney. We have to be counselors. That's right. That's so really where it comes in. Where does the Veterans Improved Pension fit into that? And before we even say that, can you tell everybody what the Veterans Improved Pension is? Well, I'm glad you called it that because so many people call it by the wrong title. They keep calling it aid and attendance, and it's, that's a misnomer because there's no such benefit as aid and attendance. This improved pension benefit that I uh, mentioned has been around for way past the Spanish-American War. It's a pension benefit in sense of the 19th century definition of that word. It's a welfare benefit program. Pension was used that way in the 19th century, not today, and it's very confusing because of that. It is a non-service-connected disability benefit for war period veterans and their surviving spouses to reimburse a certain amount of their medical expenses. That's a mouthful. But what it comes down to, there's only a select group of veterans that can get this. That's veterans that served one day of active duty and 90 days of consecutive service, unless it was in two war periods. You can split it between two. And have a better than dishonorable discharge. You did not have to go to war. You did not have to be outside of the United States for that money. You just had to be in during those war periods. Now, they did change the rules in 1980 to extend the period to 24 months or the or periods you're called up for. But we're not seeing many of those people yet. They're not quite old enough. Those would only be like Gulf War veterans? Yeah, Gulf War veterans. We're going to start seeing some because there's some in their 70s even. Uh, but we're seeing Vietnam veterans, Korean War, and World War II, and widows from World War One. We're not seeing anybody earlier than that. Uh, don't know if there's anybody left over from any wars prior to that. There's no veterans left over from World War One, but there is some widows out there. So that's a pretty sizable group of people. That's about one-third of everybody over 65. Really? That many? Uh, well, between them and the surviving spouses. So we okay. estimate somewhere 12 to 20 million people could potentially be eligible for this. Now, there's a lot of things that prevent them from getting it. One is that you have to have some long-term care needs. Also, the surviving spouse cannot remarry. They had to be the surviving spouse. They could not divorce the veteran that will cut them off. And they didn't know it when they got divorced. They didn't know they gave the benefit up. So there's criteria there to trip them up. But if they are in a situation, they got the service requirements, they got health needs, then we can possibly qualify them for this benefit. Because once we got the service requirements out of the way or the marriage requirements out of the way, then we look at three more tests. There's income, net worth, and health. So the health dictates the amount of money this pension benefit can pay. So it's always based on the claimant. The claimant is the veteran or the veteran's life. If the veteran's deceased, it might be the surviving spouse or a dependent child or even a parent, if it's a dependent parent. Very rare does that ever happen. But So if we got 
you look at the health issues, if the claimant is completely healthy, then the best they're going to get is base pension. That's the most they could possibly get. If they're housebound, that means that they can't transport themselves, need assistance when they're outside the home, but when they're in the home, they can pretty much take care of themselves. Then they can get a few extra hundred dollars or so and get housebound. And then the highest level is, is pension with aid and attendance. And that's where that name comes from. And now you see a lot of it bantered about uh, this aid and attendance benefit. That's all you ever hear from assisted living homes and others. They were going to try to get you this aid and attendance benefit. Well, it's, it's not true because if you ask the VA, they'll tell you there's no benefit by that name. It's improved pension, like you said, or death pension for the spouse. Wonderful names for products, death pension. Everybody wants to get that one. Aid and attendance is just a supplemental payment. That means that that claimant can no longer live in independently. And if they can no longer live independently, doesn't mean they're bedridden. It just means they can't live independently any longer. They need assistance by somebody else to complete their activities of daily living. Then they can potentially get the highest amount of money under this pension benefit. Then the next test as to how much money you can get is what income you have left over after your unreimbursed medical expenses. That's critical because I've been promising church groups for 10 years, it's been over 10 years now, but since I started doing talks on this subject, that if anybody ever calls the 800 number with the VA and they get the right answer, I will buy lunch un. I will not challenge you. You just tell me you got the right answer. I will buy you lunch. I've never had to pay off. And the reason is, if you call the 800 number, they will ask service requirements, issues, and you got your service dates, then they're going to ask how much your income is, and that's as far as it's going to go, because they're going to tell you, if you're married and you make more than 24000 a year, you make too much money. If you're a single veteran, you make more than 21000 a year, you make too much money. Now, never go any further than and the reason they do that is they're a phone screener. They don't know any better. And the script they have is wrong. It has always been wrong, and it will probably always be wrong. Because the script asks how much their income is, not how much income they have left after medical expenses. And that's the legal criteria, is how much income they have left after medical expenses. That's the legal criteria. You could have $10,000 a month income and still get this benefit if you have enough medical expenses. And we've seen people with husband and wife getting care in home spend over $10,000 a month for that. So you can have a very nice income and still get this benefit. It's really what's left over after medical expenses. And the unique thing, I had a run-in with a VA employee that a few weeks ago. He was telling people in the facility that they did not need to live in that nicer place. They were cheating the government because they were living in a nice assisted living home, they could have moved to a cheaper one. The rules have nothing to do with where you live. That's your choice. If you want to live in a four-star hotel that's an assisted living home, that's your business. If you want to go down and stay in the cheapest one in town, that's your business. It's what's left over after medical expenses. So, so that's an interesting thing that I, I, so I'd like to just explore that a little bit, Jim, because that does tend to be one of the situations I think a lot of us that do this see where clients go to the VA or they contact the VA 
and they hear you don't qualify and that's the end of it. So people think I don't qualify and they don't think, well, I might become qualified or I could get qualified. They have no idea. They just hear I don't qualify and then they think that that's the end of it. But that's not the end of it, correct? That's not the end of it. Take no, never take no from the government. That's the first motto. Never take their answer if it's not the one you want to hear. Because the rules are very complicated, and they are not going to tell you what the rules are. In most cases, they're not allowed to tell you what the rules are. They're not allowed to give you any planning advice. Uh, the um, state employees are not allowed to give any planning advice. Of course, I wouldn't want a government employee giving me planning advice anyway. <laughs> so that's a whole other story. But there's rules and there's the unwritten rule. That's the bigger problem in this. There's one set of rules you can read about and you find out what those are. But the second part is the unwritten rules, what they really do and how they process things. So when you got that, you know, you got to find those rules. You got to know somebody that has worked with them and knows what it is they're asking for and how they were asking for things. So if a family member gets told or a wife or uh, a spouse or a family member gets told, well, mom doesn't qualify, dad doesn't qualify, sorry, you have too much money, what should they do? Well, at that time, they need to find an attorney that works in this area, that has experience in this area, not just because they're accredited attorneys. There's 9,000 attorneys listed as accredited attorneys. If there's 2,000 attorneys that know how the VA pension works, I'll be surprised. And that's because there's no test. It's just sign up. That's it. There's nothing to it. We actually did a, a long um, interview with the uh, GAO, the Government Accounting Office. They did a report on their accreditation program, and they blasted the VA part because it's worthless. And we are advocating that they get rid of it. It's not worth it. It's it, misleads the public that you know something about it, and you don't. But right now, you have to have that to work with the VA at all. But there's no exams, no testing, no... All you have to be as good as standing with your bar. That's it. And get three hours of continuing education every three years on a pile of anything you want to leave it out. So that means you get nothing. Because you have to cover every subject in the book, and that means you only got a minute or two for each one of them. What about assisted living facilities or other people that um, often will tell people, oh, you can get this benefit, you should go see this insurance guy or this financial planner because they're going to get you an annuity that's going to get you qualified. What's your thought on that? Because we see that a lot. Well, we see that a lot, and, and that's a serious problem. Uh, there are good people out there. I'm not going to take it away from all of them. I, I know some that are very... Uh, concerned about veterans and do a very good job for them, do an honest job for them. The real issue is there's a lot more to it than just the VA rules, because anything we do for VA has tax implications. Anything we do to qualify someone for VA has implications on their Medicaid qualification in the future. Everything we do has implications on inheritance issues with the family, and there's a lot of family dynamics involved. There's a lot more than just the financial side of this. And we hear this over and over. We'll do the application for free if you'll buy annuities from us. And most of the time, those annuities are not appropriate. And 
test I always try to get people to understand is that annuities are not bad in of themselves. They're just a tool in the toolbox. But if you got a toolbox and the only tool you got in is a hammer, everything in the world looks like a nail. And that's what happens to these people. The only license they have is to sell annuities. That's what they're going to sell. It doesn't matter if that's good or bad for you. That's what they're going to sell. And too many of them don't even know why they're selling. They just follow instructions. I'm not going to say all of them because there's people out there who are very smart and do a good job, and they work with attorneys generally. Because they understand we don't, you know, we're not investment managers, but also there's a lot more to it than just doing the application and cramming all their money in an annuity. Yes, you can get it out of their name and get it, probably get them qualified, but you can create more problems by doing it. And, and devastating financial problems for the remaining spouse and or the family, correct? Family, spouse, family. Uh, yeah, I've seen, them, I've seen them move houses and cause capital gains problems. I've seen them yank money out of IRAs and cause major income tax problems, put them in annuities and have no liquidity. Uh, put it all in one child's name in an annuity and then the parents die and the other kids want their money and they can't get out of the annuity because the surrender penalty is too great and it's in one child's name so she don't have to share with them if she don't want to. And there's litigation all over the place for that, but not against the financial planner because they can't do anything wrong because nothing requires them to act in your best interest. This is what the public has to understand. There's only one well, there's two. There's two groups of people out there that have to act in the client's best interest. By law, are held accountable for it. Number one is the attorneys, and number two is the registered investment advisors. They're the only ones that fiduciaries. The Merrill Lynch's of the world, the annuity salesmen, the life insurance salesmen, the uh, Raymond James, Edward Jones, they are not fiduciaries. By law, they are not fiduciaries and they do not have to act in the client's best interest. Now, you get a guy that's good, he's working with your family, he's going to do a good job because he wants to keep the business. But he's going to do it because he wants to, not because he has to. And we hope that the attorneys are doing it because they want to as well. But they have to because you have a recourse if they mess you up. This concludes part one of my interview with Jim Swain regarding VA pension benefits. In part two, Jim will talk a little bit more about the dangers of using financial products such as insurance policies and annuities to obtain VA improved pension and the things that consumers need to be looking out when they're trying to get this benefit for themselves or their loved ones. I would like to ask that if you found this useful to you, please rate and review it on iTunes. And if you'd like more information, please visit smartplanning101.com forward slash eight. That's smartplanning101.com forward slash eight to learn more about this valuable benefit and to read our show notes. Thanks a lot for listening. Now that you're starting to get the knowledge you need to make better planning decisions, don't let your journey stop there. Nicole's incredible guide, Five Tools You Need to Be Truly in Control of Your Future, includes smart planning options and worksheets you can gain access to right now. And the best part is you can download it for free by going to smartplanning101.com slash tools right now. Time is flying by, so don't wait another day to download this must-have guide. And we'll see you next time on the Smart Planning 101 podcast.
The information contained within this podcast does not constitute legal or financial advice. It's for general informational purposes only. For advice specific to your situation, consult with your legal or financial professional.